So I think it was two weeks ago, time is sort of a blur right now, but I think it was two weeks ago we had a commissioning service, did we not? And we had young and old up here and we were commissioning people that were going to be involved in various kinds of service over the summer, vacation Bible school, summer in the city, RBI, ASP, Appalachian Service Project, uh, maybe we should, I don't know if we, we should have commissioned the painters that are going to be doing art painting with Dale. And, um, I don't know, we, there's probably others, I don't know if we, I included everyone, but we did a lot of commissioning and it made me realize all the different ways that we look to give back to each other and to the community. And really when I think about you, and I bet when you think about this church, you, one of the things that maybe would describe us is we are a giving people. We, we have a lot to give, and we give a lot. We support a lot of different missions. We teach our kids at an early age that it is important for them to share and to give back. It's a part of the curriculum at RPDS. And uh, so it's a value here and it is put into action. It has been for decades. It's a part of our budget. It's a part of our way of being together, giving, sharing in different ways. We do it not just in the summer, but all year. Uh, and it's, uh, in a way, it's something that I think many of us take pride in. And yet, when I look at myself, I don't think I'm very good at giving. When I think about my real motives, when I think about my capacity to give, sometimes I realize how much I withhold. And, and so I just wanted to just take a few minutes together today to think about giving. How good are we at giving? What do we have to learn from giving? What does God want us to do in terms of giving? When we are at our human best, we are giving and forgiving. But we live in a world where it makes little sense to do either one. So what is true giving? What happens when we give or when we refuse to give? You know, today is Father's Day, and so some of you might, might be receiving a gift or you might be giving a gift. Uh, and... We all know that um, this, this is a great example of how giving is an expression of a social relationship. True giving creates or strengthens a relationship. Not true giving could be just something like, oh my gosh, I've got 12 people at the office I have to buy something for for Christmas, um, what am I going to do? I'll just go get a bunch of gift cards. We all, we all have done that kind of giving, right? We're the, kind of the obligatory giving that doesn't really come too much from the heart and it doesn't change much. It's checking off a box. So we're not talking about that. We're talking about an event, an event between people. So... There are other kinds of relationships than giving. There's, there's stealing or taking. We, we see plenty of examples of that. That could be anything 
from simply taking a pencil from the office home to taking a continent from its indigenous people or taking dignity from workers. There are all kinds of ways that we can steal, that we can uh, commit theft. That's one way of relating. And in some quarters, that's condoned. There's another way. It's the, the, the way of exchange or sales, giving to get something. We're very familiar with that. We all do that. We learn to do that at an early age. You give something in order to get something in return or to influence someone to do something that you want done. Right? We, that's the way our economy works, uh, and it's the way many relationships work. And even in a family, when you, if you want to get along, you have to give something in order to get something often. Right? In all kinds of relationships. Guys, if you're trying to impress a girl, you may hold the car door open for her. Right? You're giving something in order to get something in return. Let's be honest. Okay? And so... We all do that in all kinds of ways. There's nothing necessarily wrong with that. That's just a way of being together. True giving is acting with nothing expected in return. We, we give in a way where there are no strings attached. Think about how God gives and uh, how we give when we are at our best. I think about my grandchildren, or my children, sometimes. Um, we give because we delight in them. I want to go buy my grandson's toys just because it's fun, because I want to see the smile on their face, because I want to see their joy. You do that, I'm sure. You understand that. And God does that with us. And then there is giving out of need because I know there is a need and I can help that need. I can meet that need, or at least part of it, right? We do that. Uh, we may not be able to solve all the world's problems, but when we see a need, often we will respond to it if we can. That's another reason to give. And God does that. God sees our needs and and God's gifts flow to us all the time, every day. We wouldn't be alive without the gifts of God. And then third, there is giving in order to enable the receiver to give. That's what you do with me. You, you pay me in order to give in other ways, right? You do that in many in many types of relationships, we give to empower others to be able to give. And so, these are all good and legitimate ways to give. Um, there's a verse in Ephesians chapter 4 that, where Paul says, Thieves, stop taking. Work honestly. That's the exchange relationship in order to be able to give to the poor. That's that third type of relationship to giving. It's all right there in that one verse. And 
Uh, I want to read today's text now. It's, you were probably wondering when I would get around to it. Um, it's, it's a text from Thessalonians where Paul is sort of defending his apostleship and his behavior to the church at Thessalonica. Apparently he'd received some criticism. And so he's, uh, he's saying some things about how he, he and his team behaved there. And I'm going to pick up in, in mid-argument. He says, as you know, and as God is our witness, we never came with words of flattery or with a pretext for greed, nor did we seek praise from mortals, whether from you or from others, although we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. You see, that's the exchange kind of giving. And he's saying, we didn't do that. We didn't just do some things in order to get something from you. He said, no, we were gentle among you, like a nurse tenderly caring for her children. So deeply do we care for you that we are determined to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our own selves, because you have become very dear to us. You remember our labor and toil, brothers and sisters. We work night and day so that we might not be a burden to you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and so is God, how pure and upright and blameless our conduct was toward you. And you know we dealt with each one of you like a father with his children, urging and encouraging you and pleading that you lead a life worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom. So Paul was saying, we gave without expecting anything in return, a true gift giving. I just returned from uh, a trip, uh, Appalachian Service Project. We had 20 kids go, eight adults. We were up in the Johnson City, Tennessee area for a week. Uh, we stayed at a school there and we worked kind of out in the countryside in rural homes for the most part. And um, I want you to know that your kids, your young adults, is how I look at them, they did great. You would have been so proud of them had you been there to see them. They really worked hard. I can't think of a single real complaint that I heard all week about anything. They were eager to serve. They were willing to go along with the guidelines and rules, for the most part. And um, they mixed together well, they, they worked as a team, and uh, your, your adult uh, chaperones d did great as well. It was fun to see them together. A couple of the comments I heard, one, one uh, young adult said, you know, building things is a lot harder than you think. You use a lot more math than I ever thought I would need. I never thought I would use the math I'm learning in school, but I'm using it here. You know, things like fractions and things like that. And uh, she, someone said, I'd never realized how exact measurements need to be. Uh, so, so much good experience, learning how to use tools they've never used and, and working together as a team. The first night we were there, um, a couple of us would go to each of the different work sites. So, um, so my team, we had a we had a work site, and Anna Altwis and I went to go meet this family 
along with one of the staff persons from ASP, uh, whose name is Mira, who's a, uh, a junior at Brown University. So Mira drove us out to this house, winding roads up and down, and finally we get out in the country and we come to this uh, long driveway up a hill. The driveway is kind of a washed out gully. You could never get a car driving through that driveway. So we stopped at the bottom and walked about 120 yards up this grassy hill to the top where their mobile home was. And we stepped up the front steps, which were slippery with mildew and kind of rotting and no railings and uneven, knocked on the door, and uh, Jeremy and Melinda, the, the husband and wife, were there to greet us. And we came inside, the three of us, and their four, three of their four kids were there, two boys, two girls they have, and I immediately began to wonder, what do they think of us, and what do we think of them? Are we going to stand here and judge the, the inside of their house? Do they think we're here to judge that? Are they comfortable with us coming in? Do they think we're superior? Do they think they're inferior? What kind of relationship is this going to be for a week? Are we going to be friends? Is there going to be sort of a, a flow from top to downward? How are we going to be a community? Is that even possible when you are here on a mission trip? We're the helpers. They're the aid recipients. We're the givers. They're the receivers. We have the surplus. They have the deficiency. So there was this kind of awkwardness, I think, as we looked around their house and this old shag carpet that was really filthy, old furniture. Some parts of the house had um, plywood floors or linoleum or just, it was all a mix mixed up mess. Obviously they it had water damage, uh, part of what would need fixing. And so that was sort of the first impression. Even then, just the first few seconds, I wondered what they were thinking and they probably wondered what I was thinking. Have you ever been in that position as a giver? God is the first giver. And when God gives, God intends to build community, to equalize things in some way or another, to, to create a mutuality of encouragement. We have nothing to give that God hasn't first given to us. And so the first task for us is to learn how to be grateful recipients to be aware of our neediness and to be grateful to our giver who, though he was rich, became poor so that we could share the riches of Christ. So God is the first giver. He said to Sarah and Abraham, I will bless you. And he also said, and I will make you a blessing. So he gave to them in order that they would then be a conduit of giving. God gives and blesses because God delights in us, because we need what God has to give, and 
God gives to enable us to be givers. Paul said in, to the Corinthian church, you know, we've received the spirit of comfort that comforts us in all of our distresses so that we can comfort one another in each other's distress. So, in a sense, our neighbors have a right to the gifts that God has given us. They are not ours to hold on to. We don't have a right to hold on to them. There are so many eloquent expressions of God's love and mercy for us. It is so clear that we are receiving givers. But what if, like a pipe with a big clog in it, or a valve that is carefully calculating the flow, what if our giving is just a trickle of what we receive? I'm not suggesting that we can solve all the world's problems. We'll never give as God gives. That would be arrogant to think that, that we even could. But what happens when we give? We build a bond when we truly give. Or we strengthen one that's already existing. We enlarge our heart in some way. There is an opening of that channel of love in our lives, a freeing up of life in us. There is a loss of self-focus and self-control just maybe for a few minutes. There is an enlargement of purpose that expands to include the well-being of others and not just ourselves. There is something so life-giving about all of that that we need. On the other hand, ungrateful givers measure the worthiness of their recipients and inspect the causes of their need. I was surely thinking about that when I entered that mobile home. Why isn't this able-bodied 37-year-old man fixing his floors? I know he's got four kids. I know he's got a night shift job, but he's lived in this house for 13 years. Why hasn't he done more? And the truth is, needy people may indeed need to make changes in their life, may need to learn how to receive with gratitude and work and give in their own right. Yes, but we who are in the position to help them and meet their need now are probably not the same people to be their teachers, lest we become ungracious and judging givers. Giving from superiority instead of vulnerability. Does that make sense? God desires a cheerful giver, not a calculating one. Many of the families that we serve at various sites, I heard, were very outgoing and friendly with their work teams. They gave them brownies, they came out and talked with them, they, one group got lasagna for lunch one day, it was, 
sounded like just a, a, a banquet every day at the work sites, but not mine. Um, the dad slept during the day because he had to work at night. The mother was away at work. We never saw her all week. And so the 13-year-old girl was the caregiver for her three younger siblings. And they didn't come outside. Well, the four-year-old would come out usually. Kelsey would come out and want to play, and we, would, we bought her a few toys, and we had a good time connecting with Kelsey. But the others wanted none of it. They stayed inside when we had to knock on the door to get something. They would just sort of crack it open. And I'm thinking they, too, were struggling with this relationship. You know, what were these teenagers doing outside their door and this old man? You know, how are we supposed to behave? And so they were pretty guarded. No brownies. In fact, hardly any conversation. And yet, their need was a gift to us. Their willingness to let us show up and work on their house. Their humility to receive what we had to offer became an opportunity for us. We are created. We're created to receive and to see life as a gift, not as an earned possession. And then we are created to give, to be a channel. When we hold tightly when we control the flow of God's grace to others and ourselves, well, we're diminished as human beings. But when we open the channel, when we are freely able to give, when we are able to move from not enough to more than enough, then we become cheerful in our giving. May it be so for us. Amen.